You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podcast. Again, the play fake to Penny. Jones with time. Goes for the end zone. And it is caught for a touchdown by Darius Slayton. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, we did it. We survived six months of quarantine. We survived, you know, the stopping of all sports, the restarts, and we are at a spot I never thought we would be at. We actually have NFL football, and tomorrow night we will have Giants football. I'm really excited. I mean, it, it was hard to believe on Thursday, and since it was two teams I really couldn't really care less about, it still didn't feel real until today where I could sit in front of the TV and, and scroll through Twitter and all the stuff is happening all around the league all at the same time, even though I can only watch one or two games. So it's so cool. I had forgotten what this felt like, um, and, and I'm just so excited for this season, no matter how good or bad it ends up being. I, it, this was like a period of reflection of at least we have football in any capacity, you know? Yeah, it's like, you know, to use the cliche, you know, a season like no other, but it's hard to, you know, every year is about routine. You know, your your sports calendar for the year has a set routine where you know, you know, when you know, playoffs or different sports happen and one sport kind of you know, fades into the next sport. You know, in the NFL, you know, you, you, you get excited, obviously, about the draft and you talk about OTAs and, and everything. But you really start it in August when camp opens you know, talk about the first meaningless preseason game, you know, like you overreact to it. But you have a month where you're really gearing up. So when you have that opening weekend, it's like, oh, it's finally here. I mean, this year was like, it, in a kind of a way, the NFL just snuck up on us. For, yeah, it was like you know, a light two, switch. It was just on one day. Yeah, I mean, two reasons. One, you know, this is, I think Friday or Thursday was the first day in modern American sports history that the MNFL baseball NHL and NBA all had, you know, regular season or postseason games at the on the same day. So you know your attention's on other things. I, I know Grump isn't as much as you know I am, and a lot of you guys are. But you know you're not thinking solely about football. It's not the dog days of, of baseball. And also with the no preseason, it's just kind of like it's like college. Like oh, to your point, the light switch gets turned on and it's Thursday night, and now all of a sudden, you know. We're watching Red Zone, and, and here we go. And, you know, it's it's back. So I'm just really happy it is. I think, you know, anything to give us a sense of normalcy. You know, I don't want people lulled into thinking that, you know, this pandemic is over. But we definitely want things to make us feel more normal in our daily lives. And having the NFL back on Sundays and, you know, and Mondays and, you know, Thursday nights and all that, it's just one of those things. So I'm just really, really happy and like to your – to your point, anything we get's a bonus right now. So, Grump, what do you actually think about Week One? You know, my expectations were pretty low. I had a low bar considering there was really, you know, no off season, no preseason games, nothing to really gauge. You know, I expected to see a lot of low scoring, very very sloppy play, and you know, with low expectations, I was relatively pleased what I saw today. You know, it wasn't complete garbage. Um, well, I, I had to I had to scan around the league because the games available in our area, just locally broadcast, 
were two of those bad games. I had the Washington and Philadelphia game, which is about might have been the worst game of the week, to be honest with you. And um, the the Jets and Buffalo were my one o'clock games locally broadcast, which was also horrendous. So. Um, you know, but after scanning around the league, and I didn't watch the whole broadcast for every game, obviously, but kind of tuning around, it didn't seem, according to Twitter or the highlights that I watched, that it would that was a universal trait. That seemed to be confined to three teams that are not really in a good place right now. Uh, you know, with the Jets just seemingly kind of lost in terms of ownership, coach, front office, and, and, and talent level. And, um, you know, the same thing kind of with Washington is sort of beginning a new rebuild with a new head coach. And Philadelphia is just, just so injured that it was just a pathetic group that I ended up watching. But I think overall around the league, it wasn't so bad, almost like these guys are actually professionals. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, first of all, if DirecTV, if you are listening to this podcast, we desperately need you as a sponsor because – we desperately need to get the grump to have Sunday ticket. I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, someone of his football mastermind and acute observations can only have to watch the local games is unacceptable. So we are fishing for sponsors, and I'm looking at you, DirecTV. Uh, so we'll solve that problem. Uh, I had the red zone on, and I was, you know, had that on the main TV and also had uh, the other two games you had on as well. Um, like again, I was kind of focusing on the uh, the Philly Washington game again, obviously because they're division opponents and everything. And uh, you know, I think the theme was bad teams were bad and good teams were pretty decent. You know, I'm, I'm watching quite a bit of the uh, the Tampa Bay game where I thought, and we said this on this show before, the expectations were unrealistic right. for what a what a 43 year old quarterback who has seen better days and didn't look that great all last year. Uh, was was not all of a sudden going to give a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in 12 years, all of a sudden give them a secondary. All of a sudden stop all of their, you know, mental mistakes they've made in the last couple of years. Wouldn't stop the foolish false starts and all the things like that. So, you know, uh, by and large, you know, it, it, it wasn't bad watching. Uh, you know, I expect if we can compare week one to week six, we'll see tons of improvement. Um, but I think I think the theme for right now is if you are a gambler, I would lay low for a couple of weeks until we get a little sense of bearing of, you know, who's going to rise and who's going to fall. Because honestly, right now, it's really a crapshoot what's happening in these games, especially with you know, no crowds or very limited crowds are not making that much of a difference. That's the interesting thing, too, is that of all the sports, the, this and hockey, I would say, is like the least that you notice that there's no fans, um, especially watching, you know, broadcast, you know, with the piped-in noise or whatever. It really isn't all that noticeable. Just from the normal camera angle, you don't see a whole lot of, uh, you know, fan interaction anyway. So it, it wasn't so awkward either yeah uh again tv is a lot different than real life you know the way they've been pumping in music on these other sports it really after a while you don't even notice a difference i it seemed weird for football because again i think these directors on nfl broadcasts love to show camera uh crowd shots and you know every time you go up and look you see you know either tarps or just empty seats 
And it's just, it's, it's strange. It's the new normal for right now. Uh, you know, how much that's affecting the on the field play, that's going to be up to, you know, hearing what the players play after these games and seeing what the numbers bear out, you know, what the difference is, you know, what does a crowd actually, you know, do to a game. And I think the crowds impact football probably more than any other sport. Uh, you know, v- football is as much an, uh, uh, you know, uh, a momentum game as any of these other sports. So we'll have to see, but, you know, uh, again, as you're whipping around on red zone and everything, you kind of forget that there are no fans They're they're, they're trying to pump in crowd noise. that sounds realistic and they'll, they'll tweak that as they go. I think. I, I mean, I, I'm just going to be honest. I really didn't notice much of anything. I, I don't really watch the in-between shots where they scan around the crowd and all that other stuff. So I, you know, for me, it's not something I noticed at all. It's not until somebody scores a touchdown and we get the other angle, or or you know something like that that you notice the stands are totally empty. So, yeah, uh, this is a this isn't baseball where like the architecture of a stadium is that you know plays that prevalent into it. you know a stadium a football stadium a football stadium is a football stadium. The, the the natural camera angle for baseball always involves like the stands. I mean, just the the pitcher to yeah. catcher involves the stands. Any deep right. shot involves the stands. I mean, just it just is, you know. And, and you know, hockey and football, I think, are unique in that where they just kind of stay sliding from a singular position. Yeah, and and, and the camera angle, especially at MetLife, you know, when you watch a, a, a giant game, where the camera angle tilts down, you know, you don't see anything other than field, right. bench, and sidewall. You don't even see any fans at all on a normal. Yeah, it's not until you know, get to field goals and extra points that you even notice. So yeah, and, I mean, I'm watching right now. I this, we're taping this on a Monday night. You know, it's the third quarter of the Dallas Rams game, and you know, as you know, a normal play, it's second and seven or something. The camera angle goes from just behind the bench down through the field, so you don't even see the the fans that much. So it's really, you know. If it, the directors of these of these broadcasts want to keep it really tight, you'd probably never know. You know, obviously, a punt. And this is something else that's different. You know, I'm not, you know, people who have been watching football, you know, as long as I have, you know, when in the old days, I'm talking the 80s and even to the 90s, when there was a punt, the camera always followed the ball. I remember up that. In the, yeah. Up in the air to its apex, and then down to be caught. They don't do that anymore. I mean, every every game you watch now, it's always the camera, you know, is the normal shot, and it just pans to the right. You see, you know, the the gunner's running down and getting ready to watch the receiver catch the ball and move. So, you know, again, that's another way that you don't really see the fans. But, you know, extra points and field goals, you know, obviously, yeah, there's no – Nobody's sitting there, but I think it's one of those things where it's just unique and it's different now. But you know, as we get into the season, we don't even think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And as we get into the season, the season starts for the Giants tomorrow, Monday night, seven o'clock, seven ten. I think it's the early Monday night game at MetLife Stadium, so the Giants get home field, which is, I guess, nice because I'm sure with the extra COVID testing, it's like one less thing on their itinerary before they would have to fly or take a bus or whatever. So um, that's pretty good. And it's the first game where we're going to see Joe Judge as a head coach ever in any capacity. We have nothing else to go on except stories we've heard and, and his coordination and you know the, the bullshit uh, NBC broadcast scrimmages that they 
account, which was basically <laughs> nothing. Um, right. At least from our perspective. Uh, you know, I do remember reading that he, um, when they went in for, you know, quote unquote halftime, he did stop and pretend like he had to talk to a reporter. He was doing everything for himself to be prepared. You know, right. uh, on our end of viewing it, it uh, we, we have no real shot of like how real that looked or felt or anything. So, um, so that's really the big thing going into this is we're going to learn a lot about a new offense and we're going to learn a lot about a new defense, but it's the first time that they're going to implement that. More than anything, what we're going to see, truly see for the first time is Joe Judge's head coach. You know, timing decisions, you know, when to go for it, when to not go for it, things like that. That is not really going to need any adjustment period as the year goes on. That's all him. So we're going to be seeing that for the first time. Yeah, and let's even right now do this even before the game even happens. You know, let's don't overreact to the first decision that Joe Judge makes that you either agree with or disagree with. Uh, You know, again, everything is getting the kinks worked out. You know, you may get a sense of what his philosophy might be. You might see "Hmm, a little more aggressive than previous coaches or a little more conservative. You know, but I think you will we will need a length of time to kind of judge an opinion as opposed to anecdotal, oh, on fourth and two, we actually went for it here. That does not mean that he is going to be, you know, Riverboat Joe going for it every single time. And, you know, uh, I can see it already happening where something's going to happen where he's going to get ripped for a call and all of a sudden opinion is going to be formulated. I mean, already the opinion is he's a hard ass who trying to run his team into the ground where, you know, that may not be the case necessarily. So again, let's just, you know, again, we have, we have no idea what he is. So let's just watch over several games. Yeah. This is our first look. So we can, you know, we can dissect his first game, but we should not expect everything from the first game to be him forever and ever for until the end of time. Exactly. No need to overreact to anything that happened this first week, including Joe judge. Um, of course, of course, uh, tune in on Tuesday when Grump and I overreact to every movie makes, but that's another story. <laughs> I mean, we won't overreact. We'll just dissect. That's what we'll oh, I'm sure we will. We're scientists. Too. <laughs> we'll spend the, well, we will be overreacting on Twitter as it actually happens, and then we will calm down for the podcast. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so heading into this game, the, the big injury list here is, uh, you know, the Giants have three guys questionable, each with hamstrings. The big one is Golden Tate. The other two are Tay Crowder, backup linebacker, and Levine Toilolo, backup tight end. Um, you know, Golden Tate, <laughs> it, it's not a huge deal, I would say, if he can't go. Um, obviously, young team that's not very good. You need everything you can get, and Tate is a weapon. But it's just funny because this game was being hyped up as Jones's first time to have Barkley, Ingram, Tate, Shepard, and Slayton all on the field at the same time, and now it may not happen. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It sounds like it's gonna be a game time decision for Golden Tate. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> relatively speaking, this roster comes out of training camp, you know, not as banged up as other years, and you know, not coming starting off behind the eight ball with injuries. So, and again, that's a positive. The negative is this team hasn't you know had much live much live play throughout uh, the preseason time. So. You know, 
the NFL is about attrition and about the teams that stay healthy are the ones that are more successful, obviously the ones that aren't. So, you know, one thing we're going to have to do watching throughout this year is we're not going to get news about injuries. You know, it's very, very vague things we're going to hear. We may not know things until actually, you know, it's Sunday at one o'clock and no golden Tate or something. So just try to read the tea leaves. And again, that's another thing about learning about Joe judge and learning how this new regime is going to operate. But, um, We'll just have to go next man up. Yeah. The bigger thing is uh, Philadelphia. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is operating with David DeCastro has been declared out with a knee injury. Now, I would normally say key in on this position, but I'm not really sure how they're going to shuffle up their offensive line. Nevertheless, when you have a guy like Ben Roethlisberger back there who is coming out rusty, hasn't played since week two last year, um... You know that's a big deal to be able to find a way to get pressure on him. You, you'd want him to be comfortable in a first game back. You know, I, I know that he's an experienced vet and he knows what he's doing. I'm not trying to downplay him at all. But any time that you're, you, you want to get settled into a rhythm. The dude hasn't really thrown a football in a live situation in a calendar year at this point. So you know that's that's a big thing because the Giants are going to need every single advantage they can get. Yeah, I mean, we're hearing, you know, the very crafted uh, stories out of Pittsburgh that, you know, his arm strength is back. He's, you know, he's zipping the ball, he's whistling out of his hands, all of these things. Again, a lot of that could be just standard bullshit that everybody, you know, trying to win the offseason and stuff. But the fact is, until we actually see it, you know, we'll believe it when we see it. So that's one of my three matchups to watch is the Giants defensive line versus Pittsburgh O-line. You know, I, I couldn't pin it on exact players because I think that Patrick Graham is going to bring pressure from all different places. And I think that I have no idea how Pittsburgh is going to reshuffle their offensive line. So, you know, that is what it is. But that pressure on, on Ben Roethlisberger is going to be a key to winning this game. Um they have to take advantage of those offensive line injuries and a rusty QB. I know Big Ben is experienced and he's capable of taking hits and staying upright. With with no true offseason to build solid chemistry, the Giants will need to penetrate faster than he can actually think. You know, he we they have to get him into a situation where he can just react. And since they haven't really had an offseason, no preseason, that chemistry hopefully is not totally um, gelled yet. So if they can get him in that situation where he's just reacting and they're not all on the same page, that's that's an ideal um, situation. In addition to that, they need to... First of all, they need to put the onus on Big Ben. They cannot let James Conner just run all over this team. If the Giants are going to have any chance at all, they cannot be playing from behind two scores. No, no chance. Then we are doomed. Yeah. <laughs> the, the game plan we are going to have going to this game is going to be a lot of things like not making Daniel Jones have to win this game for them. A lot of, you know, a heavy dose of Saquon Barkley out of the backfield, catching short passes and stuff. And that will, that'd be fine and dandy if we're ahead or it's a close game. But to your point, if this gets out of, you know, gets out of control early and we're down two scores, three scores, you almost have to scrap that. And then it could get really ugly. So, right. I think what they're going to try to do or what I would do, I, hopefully this is, I don't know. Hopefully I know what I'm talking about here. But what I would do is try to balance the run and pass and play action as much as possible. The Giants need to score points and need to keep pass rushers guessing. It's going to be a struggle with 
what I would consider like a second tier right tackle like Cam Fleming and a rookie left tackle against really talented group of rushers like Watt, Dupree, Hayward, and Tuit. Um, the easier they can make it for themselves with tight end and running back help and, and the scheme, the better they're going to be able to work offensively. Yeah. Um, this, uh, this Pittsburgh defense just in general just scares the hell out of me. <laughs> Again, I think this is something if we were playing them and, you know, for, for, for the benefit of playing them early where they're not gelling, it's also the negative that this offense isn't quite, you know, ready and not gelling either. And, uh, you know, it comes a question of talent, you know, and, and continue already. And again, this offense is still figuring out what they want to do under Jason Garrett. And, you know, I, oh boy, you know, it, we were, we did our way too early picks during the summer. And then, you know, we, we did some picks for some other uh, podcasts this week. And the more I thought about this game, you know, during the week and stuff, the, the harder and harder I thought that it would be for us to win this. I, I'm growing more pessimistic by the day, actually. And uh, you know, I'm not sure we're ready to do predictions just yet, but I, I just don't see the matchups for us really, really anything in our favor at this point. Yeah, and I think that's a product of not having seen anything ourselves. We're, we're left guessing. We can't go on what they did last year. We can't go on what we saw in the offseason. We can't go on anything. So it's truly, we, we don't know what we have as a team in any capacity. We can take educated guesses, though. I mean, you know, we're, we're not coming in here and saying there's 32 teams. We have no idea about anybody or anything. No, I mean, but, we, but when you have so many young players, too, we don't know if guys are going to take the next step. You know, a lot of these predictions are based on if this guy takes the next step. You know, if if this guy can step up. We, we, you know, we don't know with guys like Evan Ingram. You know, is he going to be healthy? Yeah. What, what, how are they going to use him? You know. Daniel Jones, is he going to take the next step or is he going to, you know, struggle with pocket feel and, and things like that? We, so a lot of this is like, it, it is a little bit of a shot in the dark. The guys we know about are like, you know, Saquon Barkley. We know what he is capable of. Sterling Shepard, I think we have a pretty good idea in Golden Tate. But again, Darius Slayton, you know, as good as he was last year, could easily just be a flash in a pan, you know, I don't want to say beginner's luck, but, you know, a lot of times a full off season defensive guys they just they watch film and they're like oh so this is how we have to defend him and guys can vanish you know we we can't count on that development to just happen right and and to your point i think you know that it's a shot in the dark for predicting what this team will be like over the course of 17 games or 17 weeks i'm talking about you know week one and specifically against this matchup against pittsburgh it's like you know is guy like darius slayton a shot in the dark you know well maybe he is maybe he isn't but you know, for this specific game, you know, just taking the knowns that I know for both teams and taking out all the unknowns that may or may not happen, you know, an accelerated pace for week one. To me, there's a lot more knowns for Pittsburgh than there is for Dallas right now. And those knowns for Pittsburgh are pretty good. And those knowns we have for the Giants, you know, are not as good. Right. <laughs> so well, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what worries me. I mean, I just think that in cool. general, there's less knowns as well. Yes, there's less knowns for the Giants, and some of those unknowns could be really good. We just don't know about it yet. And, you know, the probability is possible, but I'm just going with, you know, reasonable with the reasonable amount of you know odds of what's going to be like. It's just this matchup is, just doesn't look good for the Giants right now. No, and uh, you know, one more key to this game, I'm going to say, um, Jones needs to protect the football. 
No, I don't think anyone is going to fault a young QB if the team loses because of relentless pressure from a talented pass rush against a a rookie left tackle and and Cam Fleming. But Jones has to feel his pocket. He has to maneuver the pocket to help them out as much as possible. And more than anything, he has to know when to take a sack and when to protect the ball. There's no way that in preparation for this game, they don't know about the potential for sack fumbles or, or just the pressure in general. It's going to be on Jones to hold on to the ball or or not throw into dangerous situations in 99% of the cases. It's not going to be anybody else's fault anymore. You know, something I could almost live, almost live if he has three picks, you know, and it's because if it's caused due to pressure, if it's caused a good scheme, if it's caused to something... I can live with that a little more. What I'm not going to be able to live with are two fumbles and one causes a turnover. I mean, that has to stop. And even if it's a question of pocket presence or not pocket presence, you know, if he knows he's going to get hit, he can't fumble. Just put two you know, hands on the ball. I mean, yeah, it, it, that that cannot happen anymore. And, you know, I know this is his second year in the league. He's still young in the league, but he's been playing football long enough to know that's a basic, you know, concept that a quarterback has to have you know there are going to be there are going to be fumbles unavoidable ones you know monster hits on the blind side they have no idea about that's gonna happen to any quarterback but uh, barring that you know rare situation and this is something that happened with Eli Manning for the final third of his career there was too much of that as well uh you know barring that monster hit out of nowhere which is you know becomes an ESPN highlight before if you get hit, you can't just be Johnny Butterfingers and, and, and fumble. And whether you know it's coming or not, you have to have more ball, ball control. And his maturation and his long-term success is gonna, this starts with something as basic as that, cutting down on turnovers. I mean, he's going to throw picks. You know, it's, that's, a, that's a fact of life for a young quarterback. Decision-making, you know, where to throw, when to throw, that just comes with feel and timing. Unfortunately, he lost a lot this offseason, and I'm willing to live through this year of him learning that on the fly. But, you know, the, you know, the, the, the Butterfingers is something we, we has to stop, and we will be on his case if this continues. Right. One last thing I want to highlight about this, you know, obviously I'm highlighting the defensive line versus Pittsburgh's O-line. Cam Fleming has to be matched up against T.J. Watt for this game. That's going to be interesting, but... How they use Evan Ingram and and who Pittsburgh is going to use to try and cover him, you know, is it going to be uh, Bush or Fitzpatrick or Edmonds or a combination or a corner? I mean, like, what are they going to do to do that? And and are the Giants going to be sending him vertically? Are they going to be keeping him in more for some protection in this situation, or is he going to be running some more horizontal short routes? I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup to watch and see how Pittsburgh deals with a threat like Ingram, or if we don't even use him as a threat and we just keep him back for max protection. Uh, and also, how do we adjust based upon how protection is going, too? I mean, that's going to be something we're going to see is, you know, how is this coaching staff going to adapt to the situation and the, uh, you know, the, uh, the conditions on the ground, so to say? You know, if uh, he's kept back for max protection and all of a sudden we're doing a good job keeping Daniel Jones... Uh, Vertical and time to throw, maybe do we, do we adjust out of that? If it's, you know, open season on Daniel Jones, are we going to adjust to it? So that's those are one of those things we're going to, as we learn this coaching staff and understand, you know, how they're going to react to things and game plan, to, that, that's something to definitely look at. So back in June, we did our way too early season predictions. 
And uh, the Cranky Fan put this game as a loss in pen, and I put this game as a loss in pencil. Now, three months later, how do we feel about this game tomorrow night? Or, or later tonight, by the time you guys are hearing this. No, I'd really like to start the Daniel, um, the uh, Joe Judge regime with a win. I really would like to start off with a game where if we lose even, it's very competitive and we, you know, definitely makes us excited for week two. But right now, I really don't feel that way. I feel that um, this is a this is a bad matchup for us in week one. The only thing worse could be if they had to travel and deal with that as well. I, I just feel like their defense is going to be, you know, very difficult, a, a very difficult pass rush, which we're going to have, you know, it's going to be trial by fire for Andrew Thomas and, and this new offensive line, which I think ultimately will be a lot better than it has been. But this is a, a, a tough team to deal with. Uh, Pittsburgh has got a lot of weapons that, you know, could really torch the secondary if, uh, you know, things get out of hand, if we don't get any sort of pass rush or something. Uh, you know, I said it was going to be a loss in pen. I, I think it's a pretty solid loss in pen. I think Pittsburgh wins this 30 to 14. And it's a change in my prediction from earlier in the week. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to agree. I think we're going to have to settle for a moral victory for Joe judge here. I think we're going to see some improvement in some areas and, uh, we're going to, we're going to deal with some chaos. And I think some of that needs to be expected no matter what the talent is on the team and what the, the the scheme is and what the quality is just based on the fact that there are three new coaches there's three new coaches there's two new schemes the only continuity is special teams and and even then special teams in general is is like a turnover of guys just about every year uh and, and in this case we have a new kicker and a new long snapper so there's just it's a lot to ask for no offseason to come up and and play a team that has been as steady as Pittsburgh, who's had a coach since 2007. You know, uh, Big Ben's been there since 2004. You know, it, it's a lot to ask. So I think this one ends closer in score than it feels watching. I think it ends 27-23 Steelers. I think the Giants come on way too late with a touchdown that puts it, you know, what into that one of those onside kick scenarios. But you know when you're watching it that there, there's no hope. But I... I think what we do see on the field is a total disaster. It's just a clear lack of practice in a new scheme. I think that's uh, what we're going to end up seeing. Let me preface what I'm saying, though. That that's necessarily not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, let's remember what our expectations are for this year and what we expect the goals for this year are. You know, we are not a Super Bowl contending team. We are not a team that's you know a legitimate playoff team. We are, you know, this is week one, year one of a young coach and a young coaching staff that we think, you know, we hope is the building a foundation for building a team that will be in the near future, a playoff team and hopefully soon after a Super Bowl contending team. So it's not the worst thing in the world if we see things that are clear things that this coaching staff needs to address, because a lot of, you know, you can scrimmage against yourselves all you want. You can play with yourself all you want I mean, on the field, that is. But until you actually play somebody, it's tough to kind of focus in on what needs to be addressed. And that could be scheme, play calling, personnel, rotations, 
roster. And, you know, until they actually start playing week in, week out, and we can really have this coaching staff and Dave Gettleman together analyzing what do we actually have, you know, that's when you start building and moving forward. So, you know, if we see chaos and we see things, you know, that's it's very painful to watch for three hours and it's very upsetting and that, oh boy, here's another long season ahead. But let's just try to focus on what, you know, what's the task at hand and where we are in this arc. You know, we both agree that this organization has already bottomed out and is starting the upswing. You know, now, you know, now is a good time to see, you know, and week one also is not the definitive answer for everything. You know, this is not going to say, okay, well, this team sucks because, you know, in the first half, they only had 84 passing yards and Daniel Jones was sacked four times and they scored 18, 20 points against us. So let's, you know, this is all part of the, the learning process of this team that, you know, things that we didn't learn in August, we're going to have to learn now. So let's just get started and play. And again, as painful as it may be, the alternative also was we had no football. So we just... I always say this every year on this podcast, be patient, but we were asking for more patience, <laughs> I guess. And that's going to be it. So that's where we have it. We both expect a loss, but no big deal. We don't expect a, a complete devastation on the field. Um, so during the game, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump where we'll be, I don't want to say like live tweeting every play, but I'll be active during the game as Will the Cranky Fan, who is at the Cranky Fan. So, you know, I'm sure we'll have many meltdowns then and then be a little bit more rational by the next episode. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, one thing we have to talk about for everybody is, you know, for a lot of people, this is the first giant home game you're not going to be going to in years. Could be in decades. So, uh, Grump and I will actually be together. I'm going out to New Jersey to, uh, you know, the... Uh, Football Grump uh, Worldwide Headquarters will be watching together. So you might see very similar, uh, you know, responses to things because we will be actually, you know, kind of viewing this on at his place. And uh, who knows, you might even have a, you know, we haven't talked about this yet, but we might even do like a a post-game pod immediately after the show, whether we're together or if I'm venting on the train ride back into the city. So we'll... <laughs> you might get a, you might get an instant reaction from us right after the, the game tomorrow night. Yeah, we'll we'll have to figure that out as it goes. But but yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll be together. But I promise you, there will be Jameson involved. Just you know, just I know you yeah. guys were concerned about that. So yes, that's the uh, the second attempt for a sponsor out there after Directv uh, brings Jameson's a real number one. I I don't understand what's taking them so. They probably just you know. They're just busy with like COVID things right now. But. They're probably drinking their own product and not get a chance to talk to us. But you know, hey, do you well, want to bring a, a, a? I don't know two people better to drink with than us. So <laughs> exactly. So if any of you guys out there who want to uh, get together during this season and have a watch party somewhere, I know in in New York City, starting September 30th, we can actually go to a restaurant 25 percent capacity. You know, New Jersey's opening up and. If we all can't watch it at Giant Stadium, maybe we'll do a meetup or maybe we'll do a Zoom watch or something. So Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. All right, everyone. So as usual, you can follow this show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean. 
you name it, it's everywhere. Um, just give it a subscribe there, and it'll be in your inbox. Normally, we would do a pre-game show on Thursday night, so it'll be ready for you on Friday, and a post-game show on Monday, so it's ready for you Tuesday. Obviously, this got a little screwed up because of the Monday night game, but going forward, that's what you guys can expect. Yes. So this week you get a special treat. You get one in your inbox on mon- on your uh, in your feed on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. Going forward, you will see them on Tuesdays and Fridays. Right. All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants. <laughs>